Good morning again. If you are a guest, I walk down the aisle sometimes. It's just who I am, so don't be nervous or freaked out. It's just part of the show, I guess, when I get up here. But welcome, welcome, welcome. And if, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, the goal in this time as we look at the word is to have God speak and us be formed into his likeness. Uh, not the God that sells a ton of books at Costco per se. There's some good books there. Not the God depicted in all the movies that we like to see. Not the God even maybe in our own mind. I grew up in church and God is still reshaping my mind and heart and who he is. Over and over and over again. Because I'm getting to the point where I can't believe how good and gracious and merciful he is. When I was young, I, I told my fiance, now she's my wife, I'm not going to live past 25, and I kind of did it to get her a goat, you know? Like, why am I with you then? But as I get older, I'm probably going to live a long time because God has a lot to teach me and form me into. So I might have a long stead going on here, right? Long time, because I'm hard-headed in some ways. And if you're not a believer, welcome. We're glad you're here. If you have questions, welcome. I'm glad you have questions. If you have doubts, doubts are okay. We're going to see some guys here who doubted a bunch and hid away because they were scared of soldiers. And God met them, and Jesus Christ, the resurrected Christ, said something amazing to them, and that's what I want us to leave with. So welcome. Let me pray. And tech team, we're going to be in verse 11, not at the top. Start in verse 11, just giving them a heads up. I don't want to lead them astray. Father, help me and help us. Thank you for Easter. Thank you for a weekend to remember what you did so many years ago. Thank you for the story of a dinner and a betrayal and an arrest and a kangaroo court and a conviction from a governor who really had no clue what was going on. And thank you for going to the cross, Lord, and on the cross proclaiming to humanity, forgive them. And then in that day, long ago, thank you for rising from the dead and showing us and history and the people to come, that because of your goodness you have defeated death. Help me now, in Jesus' name, amen. John chapter 20, we'll start in verse 11. Mary, Mary Magdalene, interesting woman, checkered past, meets Jesus, everything's changed, then she starts to serve Jesus. And she's with him. And she's near when he is crucified. And as we'll see, she's near when he's buried. And on the first Easter morning, John chapter 11 says this, but Mary stood weeping outside. The older I get, the more an adult human who is weeping gets to my soul. I mean, there's crying. I'm a crybaby sometimes. More, maybe not literally anymore. And there's being disturbed. But have you heard an adult weeping, almost gasping for air. It, it cuts to our soul. It cuts to our hearts. This is what the language is saying about Mary. She's undone. She is in anguish. She is in distress. She at least wants to know where the Lord's body is. As she wept, she, she uh, stopped and looked back in the tomb. And here she saw two angels in white sitting where the body was. She said to them, they have taken away my Lord. For you, 
people who are somewhat familiar with the Bible, in the Old Testament, there was the Ark of the Covenant, right? Some of us know that. Cherubim and seraphim sat on this lid, and the lid and the Ark had to be carried a perfect way because the prophets would tell in the middle of those two angel-type figures is where the mercy of God sat. And when the tent went in and out, they took the ark that way. And when the temple came, some other things. But I can only imagine as Mary peeks in a tomb, she sees two angels at the end of each death table and the mercy of God is still there. Prophecy of old being fulfilled in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. God's mercy has come. He has paid for sins, and ultimately he said, I can pay for sins because I'm going to rise from the dead. I can't pay for your sin because I'm not worth it. Praise God. But Christ has come, and he's been risen. Verse 13, they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? I guess angels can be sarcastic sometimes too, right? She said to them, they have taken away my Lord and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know it was Jesus. This is not a bait and switch. It's early. Jesus standing behind her is the furthest thing from her mind is what John's telling us. Verse 15, Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, remember that. We'll we'll dwell there for a minute. She said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father, but go to the brothers and say to them, the Lord is I've seen the Lord. Literally, I'm ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things. Get in Mary's head. Jesus has been dead for a little over two days. The Sabbath in the calendar does some things, but not to get technical. Jesus is in the grave, and he's really dead, the account tells us. In the disciples' minds, the brave men, what are they doing? They're hiding out. Why? We're next. They got our leader. They put him on a tree. We watched our leader die. Then they buried our leader, and if we have any association with that leader, we are going to be next. So they're doing their thing. They're in the backdrop. Mary gets up early. The sun is not yet out. It is dark. She runs, probably jogs towards the tomb. Just so you know, it's just outside of the city. It's north of the city. Joseph of Arimathea became a disciple in secret, we think. For political reasons and other reasons. He was a very wealthy man. He, in honoring Jesus' death, wanted to give him a king's burial. So there was a virgin tomb that he owned, and he said, Jesus can have it. It was freshly hewn out of limestone. Nicodemus, who I think became a believer too, was very wealthy, 
bought 100 pounds of spices so Jesus could be buried in that. Maybe thirty to $40,000 nowadays. So Jesus is buried. All the rituals are done. There's a prayer cloth put over his faith. Linens are, he's wrapped in, and he's put in a tomb. And the tomb is rolled, or the stone is rolled in front of the tomb, and the Roman seal we know is put on it for various reasons. How many of you lost a loved one in the last couple years? Hard. How many of you ever go and visit and just have a moment at the tomb? It's, it's okay if you don't. Some of us do. I don't know exactly what goes on there. I don't have all the answers. Ask my wife. But there's peace in going to where we know the remains of the one we love is. She just wanted to go to the tomb. Still dark out. She might be running. She shows up and something's wrong. Maybe from 40 feet off she goes, that's strange. And she peeks in and Jesus' body has disappeared. The furthest thing from Mary's mind is what? He's risen just like he said. The first thing on Mary's mind is what? I hate these Romans. Whatever, she, I don't know. I'm not gonna speak for Mary. But someone obviously moved the stone, got the body, and either did something with it, or what, did, what do men do since time began? And women. We're business-minded on some way, right? What can we get for the body? <laughs> So Mary fears that someone has robbed her Lord's Lord's grave and she is distressed. The whole thing has come undone. She goes to peek back in a second time and what happens is what we read. We see angels. We see questions. We see the gospel, really. The account goes on to say that she went back and she told Peter and John and they both started running. Okay, let's go check it out. And John beats Peter, but John stops at the tomb and he doesn't go in. You guys have heard of Peter. What does Peter do? He busts right in and everything is folded nicely where it's supposed to be. And these two are perplexed. If grave robbers come, I know some guys who work quickly, they're not usually neat. Wouldn't they just grab and go? I used to be a paramedic. If someone was critically ill, we'd grab and go. Sorry about the kitchen table or whatever happened, but we got to go to the hospital, right? That's what happened. We'll deal with that later. But with that being said, things are orderly. And Peter and John go back bewildered. What's going on? The mercy seat of God has come to life, and this is the first account that we see. God's mercy from heaven to all humanity has come and lived and died and then been raised to show us ultimately what his glory looks like. Go back to this notion of the gardener. I was kind of dwelling on a couple different, I mean, we're going to teach the Easter story on Easter, but which way do we want to go? How do we want to do that? What do we want to see? Jesus has lots of names, but Mary, when she is in the presence of the risen Lord, mistakes him for a gardener. Who, how many gardeners? 
Come to my house, I'll pay you. No, any, any green thumbs, we'll say it that way. Any green thumbs? A couple, we got a couple, right? My grandfather, it was a green thumb when he was alive. He would take the smallest little box in front of a window and a couple months later, it would be beautiful. He would show me, he would come back to our house at times and then he would be like, well, maybe not. But the point is, a gardener sees everything differently. And that's an honest, logical assumption for Mary to think she's in company with the gardener because she's in a garden where the tomb was. If we go way back in the Bible, this whole biblical historical account started with a garden. There was a guy, Adam, and a lady, Eve, and God simply said, tend the garden, and it's all good. And human beings did what human beings do. I have three daughters. Trust me, I know the power of just please do it. Please, please, please. (laughs) Sin enters the world. As a human being, I'm not proud of human history. I'll just say it that way. The garden becomes desolate. Empires rise and fall. The ladies in the house, you'll like this. Mostly men assume power (laughs) and conquer each other until we get to 2017, right? And our history is bloody, and there's bright spots. But Jesus appears as risen Lord to one of his followers whom he loves and whom she loves as a gardener. And I start to think about that. Good green thumb gardeners have a plan. My grandfather used to see things before they existed in the green thumb world. Good green thumb gardeners know the painstaking work of cultivation, of planting, sowing, watering, trimming, pruning, seeing the reaction of the sun and the light and the water and the wind and temperature, and they shape things, and what was dead and dry and not living springs to life. Ultimately, in our Christian faith, because of Jesus Christ. So isn't it fitting that on the first Easter Sunday, Mary mistakes Jesus for a gardener, because what has Jesus done in Mary's life, and what will he do for the rest of her life on earth? And for anyone who will believe, he is willing by the blood of his own body and by the grace of himself to come into a human heart and cultivate life where there once was death. There you go. And that's the picture that John puts forward on this Easter morning. The dry spots in the human heart, Jesus is the one who can water that with the love and grace of God and life comes from him. Some of the driest spots in human history are when we try to do things our own way and at the end of the day we become depressed and angry because sometimes in our own way we start off worse than we were. When the message of the gospel is, I came to show what God is like, Jesus Christ. I came to let heaven breathe on you. I came because, I'm not a heretic, but hear me on this one. I came because a book was not enough. 
Jesus Christ came to fulfill the book and write the new book and say, I am the word of God, come and follow me. And when you follow me, the offer I make to you is not simply peace all the time, spiritual peace, yes, but some things can happen, not simply happiness all the time, joy is a different verb we'll say. I came to promise to form you into the likeness of myself. Let me tell you about Jesus. Not what they tell you about Jesus. I'm gonna tell you what the word says about Jesus and what Jesus says about himself. Jesus is good. He is kind. He is long-suffering. He is a good gardener. He will take decades to see fruit come. He's a smart gardener. He prunes his plants. How many of you guys like to be pruned? Oh my gosh. How many of you guys like to have old branches be pruned by the master gardener so new life can come in areas? It hurts when those shears come. It hurts when the weed whacker comes out. But two years later, the fruit that is produced, we are on our face going, God, thank you for being good and thank you for being kind and thank you for being loving. And if I could sit down with each one of you over the next year and have coffee, you could tell me these stories of God's faithfulness and goodness. Jesus rises. Mary's befuddled. Mary has no idea that Jesus could be alive. And in John's account, Mary mistakes him for one who cultivates life from death. It's pretty good, right? John probably knew what he was doing, not just given the governance of the Holy Spirit, John is telling us something. I'll tell you my experience as we, we'll read one more passage as we close. I grew up in a great home and the best time in the history of the Bay Area to grow up. I was born in 1975 and hung out in San Mateo from then on. Housing was affordable. The weather was a little cooler. It rained more a little bit back then. We won't deal with that. It's raining a lot this year. I was six years old when Dwight Clark caught that ball in the northern end zone in Candlestick Park, and the Niners went on their dynasty. So I saw the whole thing as a young sports fan. I played sports growing up. My mom's here. I was somewhat ornery sometimes, right? <laughs> but I had it pretty good. As I started to grow up and as I started to deal with myself and as I started to deal with some of my anger and my emotions, all me, I did many things to fulfill Dave and to make Dave pretty much number one in Dave's life. I, mean, I didn't even know what that meant. Went to a couple of youth camps when I was a young kid and they started to tell me this name of Jesus. Like, Jesus. Like, okay, isn't he like, is there some paintings about him or something? I don't know. Okay, and then started to hear more and learn more and and started to be surrounded by people who love Jesus and tell me more about Jesus. I never had a Mount Zion moment where the light bulb flipped on. I never had the, the Paul, St. Paul, you know, a conversion on the road to Damascus where I was blinded and things happened. But over time, as I began to take one step a day trying to follow Jesus, my faith in him increased and he began to shape me and show me. I really shouldn't treat my parents like a rotten, like rotten animals. They love me. That was one of the first things that my parents actually realized. 
even in high school, there's hope. I really shouldn't treat women only for personal gratification. That's probably a bad thing. Jesus showed me that. I really should try and respect the law even when it's not going my way. And I don't really have a frame of reference for that. I, I remember back in the 90s, if you drove through Foster City wearing a hat, you got pulled over. So I stopped taking off my hat. It was smart, right? I really shouldn't hit and be physical when I'm angry. I really shouldn't treat people I love the way I treated some of them. And over time and over trying to follow him and trying to walk with him and some time in prayer and trying to understand this massive gift of truth, Jesus Christ shaped my heart and he continues to shape my heart and he continues to show me things. And that's why I think this analogy of a gardener is perfect. There's time for sowing in my life with the Lord. There's time for reaping. <laughs> There's time for pruning. There's time for heavy watering when I am depending on him 24-7, 365. He's that good. It's usually like when your seven-year-old is having surgery, right? We know that, right? And then when sometimes I forget him, he's not like me and go, oh, is that all you got for me? He is there and he beckons me over and over. Continue to follow me, son. Continue to follow me. I have the way of life. I have the way of peace. I have the way unto salvation because I bought it for you on the cross. I'm revealing it to you now. And the older I get and the more I pastor, that's what this journey as a Christian is about. It is about being formed and shaped into the way of Christ who God has revealed himself to be. This is the resurrection and the life. In John 11, we don't have it, but Lazarus is dead. Mary and Martha show up, and they are weeping. And Jesus says to them, for those who believe there's resurrection, and she goes, I know about the end times, Lord. I know about all that movie stuff that they'll write one day. Way, way, way. And he goes, no, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, it is though they die and they won't. And that's what we celebrate. Let me have the Lord have the last word. For some of you, like I used to be, who might think, yeah, but pastor, you haven't seen what's in my garden. It's a dry place, even us Christians. Let's go to John 20, verse 19. Let me set the stage real quick. There's been a few deniers of Jesus since he's been killed. The chief one is Peter. We know Peter denied at least three times. Don't put all your judgment on Peter. That was probably a likely attitude in the group, right? If there's 12 of us who became 11 and then our Lord was killed and then if we're gonna be associated with him, we're gonna get it. One of our Leader, per se, was denying Jesus a couple times, and that's famous because it's in the scriptures. But there was fear and doubt and possibly even self-loathing. John 20, verse 19. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors be being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. 
When he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. When the disciples were, I'm sorry, then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said again to them, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. I, I don't know how to reconcile that totally yet. How many of you have been betrayed in life? How many of you remember the person and the day? How many of you still don't like that day? You shouldn't. Betrayal, especially from a loved one or someone who professed love or adoration for us, is probably the hardest, one of the hardest human things to walk through. This is who the resurrection is. He's not like anybody on the cable news networks. He's not like leaders of countries. He's not even like great men and women who have storied histories throughout human history. He was betrayed, he was mocked, and he was chastised for many reasons, and he shows up to some of his closest followers, and the first thing he says is, take courage, don't be scared. That might not mean anything to you, but in the way of the world, in the way of humanity, that is counterintuitive, countercultural, and even counterspiritual because the recompense was done on the cross on Friday, and he came with great news on Sunday, and when he appeared to the boys, it's all good, guys. I know. That's what he's literally saying. I know. Pastor, you don't know how dry my soul is he does, and he says, I know, and I came, and I'm here. Follow me. I'll build faith in me in you. I'll walk with you, and I will cultivate you into the likeness of who I am. And if you don't know who Jesus is, read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Do it for me. You never have to see me again, and find out who Jesus is. And then surround yourself with people who know who Jesus is and ask your questions, because I got questions too sometimes. And the answers usually blow my mind because they're laden with grace and mercy. The justice of God for humanity was dealt with on Good Friday on the cross, forgiveness and mercy and grace. My penalty was paid. Your penalty was paid, humanity, Come to Jesus. Come to the gardener who leads with, peace be with you, Kevin. I know your struggles. I'm good. You're good. I'm really good, so I'm going to make you really good. And let's work on these things. Now hear this. Jesus loves us enough to meet us even in our sin and our shortcomings and to walk the long road with us to make us his followers. If you've seen the church do wicked things over the years, um, yeah, we do sometimes. If you've seen the church give a black mark to the name of Jesus, we've done that too. But I'm here proclaiming Jesus. And when I say church, I don't mean First Baptist San Carlos. I mean two billion people around the world who are just trying to do it and we make mistakes too. 
the gardener of our soul, was risen. He is the resurrection and the life. He comes with the water of peace. Peace be with you. Come to me. Why don't we stand as we close? Thank you for celebrating Easter Sunday with us. We had so much food before. There's food over there. Kids, little ones, elementary ones, we're going to have a, is it raining? Can somebody tell me? If you have a little one, we're going to meet in this room in 10 minutes, okay? We'll do a little egg. We'll decide inside or outside. Let me pray, and by all means, continue the fellowship, and let's thank God for sending Jesus and raising him from the dead. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for an account, a story, uh, a message to all. Thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for him living and breathing and teaching and dying and being raised. Thank you for this account of Mary. Thank you for the newness of life. And thank you for these words that he brought out of the tomb. Peace be with you. Father, clarify what that peace looks like. Work it in the hearts of your people. Do a mighty work and build your kingdom now. In Jesus' name, amen.